1: if you dare. A warm and friendly hello! Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for, feels good to say it once again, the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. The most direct, straightforward name for a podcast you'll ever get, and we've got a great podcast for you. Just getting a little bit of something out of the way, you're probably listening to this. On the Visa Best Bets feed, we're getting everything all set up with regards to the feed, so have no fear there. On my Twitter feed, at GUnit underscore D1, once things are all taken care of. With regards to that, I'll be posting up the link, but in the meantime, I'll be posting it up here to the Bets Bets feed probably for about a week or so. So I'm just letting you know that behind the curtain sort of thing, but with that said, got a great podcast here. As we're going to be looking at the American League today. I'm not necessarily the world's biggest futures player, but what I am big on is... Always getting set for the regular season. So we're going to be looking at these teams with one of our good friends, Curtis Rogers. He does pre- and post-game work for 710 ESPN in Seattle. Going to be joining me in the second segment to look at these teams. Can the Seattle Mariners wind up winning 90 games once again? They had a negative 51 run differential. It was one of the stranger things we've ever seen, but they've made some additions. How does the AL West wind up looking? Can anyone track down the Chicago White Sox out there in the central? And with regards to the AL East, what are we going to be getting out there? We're going to be talking with Curtis about those teams on the other side. Now, just one little note with that. We did wind up doing this interview prior to the trade of Shamaneo. ...of the Oakland A's to the Slam Diego Padres. So we've got that going on in the final segment. Going to be taking a look at current season win totals out there in the American League. Just what we're getting with regards to pennant. I'm not really going to be diving into some of these, like, player to lead the league with regards to home run props. Things like that. I'll just get this out of the way right now. The biggest thing with that is health. And really, that is number 1, 2, and 3 when it comes to betting on those awards. And that is one of the toughest things to wind up doing. So I'm not going to have too much of a take there. But... We're going to give you guys what I'm taking a look at for the upcoming season and some of the idiosyncrasies that we're going to be seeing as well. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, if you've got one or two ways to be those in. Then- First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, Loader ZM, maybe does not matter. So as per usual, please send these into the timeline. And the other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Do wind up getting a few questions, so... We're going to knuckle down, and we're going to get to business right about now. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. First question is a very important one. You guys were asking, would the terrific music from last year at the introduction be returning? And you heard it just about two minutes ago. yes sir, Bob. So you've got the best introduction music for a baseball betting podcast returning for his third year. So, we've got you guys covered there. And I know many of you guys are wondering how you wind up getting set for the season. What sort of things you wind up looking at. And on the podcast I wind up doing for the National League, that'll be out either tomorrow or two days from now. That is going to be within the next 48 hours. I'll talk a little bit more about shading your numbers for accounting for the designated year that is going to be in the National League. Obviously, the American League has been here for a very long time, so you don't need to make any adjustments there. But what I think is very important is... To taking a look at what we wound up all getting last year, taking a look at some familiar faces in new places like, for example, Eduardo Rodriguez, and try to see if there were any differentials between, like, expected stats, expected when it comes to pitchers, fielding independent versus ERA, when it comes to some of these hitters, balls that were like no doubt home runs versus balls that in a lot of ballparks they wouldn't have went out and maybe they wound up getting a little bit of a lucky home run and some of the sources that you wind up using for that. If you take a look at the MLB.com website, they actually do a very good job of being able to lay out some terrific advanced analytics for you, which it's a surprise because a lot of these leagues, they don't wind up doing that that for you, but if you go to MLB.com you click on StatCast It'll take you to a website called BaseballSavant.com. That winds up taking you to a big giant website in which we are able to take a look at actual batting averages versus expecting batting averages. You've also got fan graphs that if you're looking at things like righty-lefty splits, I think that that's very important to take a look at because baseball is one of the most situational sports humanly possible. So being able to get that intel I think is very important. Just how guys are looking with regards to their fastball as well. Baseball Savant does a good job there because you're able to take a look at Velocity on a year in and year out basis? Is there a guy that maybe is seeing a little bit of a tick up with regards to his fastball? Is there. Also, a guy that might be seeing a little bit of a fall off there. We know that when it comes to, like, the National League, for instance, man, Max Scherzer is getting up there in years. That's something to track there. When it comes to the American League, Rich Hill, I mean, he was pitching last year for much of the year with the Tampa Bay Rays before he winds up going over to the New York Mets. He was, like, 157 years old. So, these are sorts of things that you do want to be taking a look at. So, I think that these are very important things to be able to dial in on. And when it comes to just betting on baseball in general... Something that you do want to note as well, and I know that many people have asked about this when it comes to betting on baseball versus my main sport of college basketball. What is the biggest difference that you wind up experiencing? And with regards to baseball versus the college basketball slate, you really have to be taking a look at units because a lot of people, they think, oh, you've got like a 50 and 50 record. For instance, you've got a stink. Meanwhile, they would take a look at like a 70 and 50 and they think this guy is absolutely awesome. Well, the guy that is 70 and 50, if he's laying like minus $2 every single day with the L.A. Dodgers, it's really not as awesome as you think. Because if you're laying $2 on every one of your bets, you go 70 and 50, you're actually in the hole. Meanwhile, if you take plus 110 on 100 bets, you wind up going 50 and 50, you've actually made yourself money. Baseball is a money line sport now. You're going to be finding out when it comes to game breakdowns, which is going to be starting on Thursday, that there are times in which I wind up taking the run line. You're going to hear me reiterate a lot that when it comes to totals, you really don't want to be playing the minus 120, minus 125 juices. You want to really be trying to get it at max. I would say minus 115, a lot of minus 110s, minus 105s. Oftentimes, rather take like an even juice like over rather than a 7 at like minus 125, minus 130 because when it comes to the long run, if you're paying that much juice, it's just not worth it in the end. Not enough totals wind up falling on the number. So I think that it's very big. To be taking a look at these numbers, you're betting numbers and not teams, much like in college basketball. With college basketball, obviously, much more of a spread sport, you wind up having a matchup of like Duke versus poopy Alabama AM. Obviously, you don't want to be taking poopy Alabama AM on the money line, but you give Alabama AM 40 points, all of a sudden, it's a pretty fair fight on the spread. So, the, the same applies here with regards to baseball. Now, you don't want to just take underdogs for the sake of taking underdogs. You're going to hear me just rag on the Baltimore Orioles, the poopy Baltimore Orioles in the final segment. I mean, there are just some teams that even though they're getting $2 every single night, if they're not able to get to 60 wins, there's just really no being able to profit on some of these teams. You want to take a look at some of these teams that they're an underdog, but they're going to give you an honest effort. You're going to hear me reference the Detroit Tigers quite a bit on this podcast. That's a very prime example, and It's just all about being able to play the long game as well because there's going to be times in this Major League Baseball season which you are going to be as hot as lava. You're going to be up like 20 units in a week and things are going absolutely masterful. You do the exact same thing next week. You're as cold as an igloo. You're down 20 units for the week. This is all about the grind. This is a 162-game season. You're going to get hot. You're going to get cold at least three times for each during the season. It's all about riding the ups and the downs. Josh Showers, who was a former major league pitcher, he works with me over at the Vegas Hats and Information Network. He always says this about starting pitchers, and I think that's true about handicappers as well. With starting pitchers, there are going to be five starts every single year in which you've got your absolute best stuff and you are on top of your game. There's going to be five starts in which you cannot find the strike zone to save your life. You've got your absolute F minus stuff. It's what you wind up doing the starts in between. That winds up defining how your season winds up going, and that it's going to be that way when it comes to handicapping as well. There's going to be highs, there's going to be lows. It's all about being able to weather the storm, continuing to take good numbers, continuing to take a look at. All right, is there perhaps going to be a little bit of progression regression with what we're seeing, like with the Seattle Mariners last year, them winning 90 games with a negative 51 run differential? That's not normal. At the same time, it's all about taking good prices with the Seattle Mariners if you want to see. All right, the books are still dogging them, hey, maybe you keep on writing it out if there's a pretty big adjustment based on the record itself, maybe you want to be fading a little bit more, so there's just so much that winds up going into it, hopefully I did a good job of scratching the surface and I'm sure that there's more questions that you guys wind up having so at GUnit underscore 81 on Twitter, happy to field all of these both on the podcast that I'm going to be doing in about 24 to 48 hours with regards to National League. Pretty much the same thing going to be doing here with the American League. And then obviously when it comes to the start of game breakdowns, which opening day is going to be on Thursday. So a little bit of a nice little introduction. And for those of you guys who are wondering, yes. This podcast is going to be going on every single day throughout the baseball season. I'm very much looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to talking to Curtis Rogers. He does a great job over there at 710 ESPN in Seattle. We're going to be chatting with him next about the landscape of the American League, what we can expect from some of these teams, some of the teams that he's bullish slash bearish on. So that chat is up next right here on the Baseball Bending Podcast with myself, Peggy Spearsson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg E. Pearson, and it is great to be joined by our guests as this man does pre- and post-game work over there for 710 ESPN in Seattle. That is the flagship station of the Seattle Mariners. I know that he does a pair of podcasts, the Seattle Sports Night and Seattle Sports Saturday podcast. You're able to find those where we get this fine podcast. He does some work when it comes to the Seattle Seahawks, when it comes to NFL season as well. And I know that he's got a lot on tap for this baseball season as we've got Curtis Rogers joining me on the podcast. You're able to follow him on Twitter along with Instagram at a kid from Kent and Curtis. It is great to have you aboard. We are mere days away from the baseball season, and I'm sure that you, much like myself, are very fired up for it.
0: Absolutely I am, Greg. I have not been this fired up for a baseball season in quite some time. I mean, look, there was a time this off season where we weren't sure we were going to get baseball. So opening day, a few days out from where it regularly would have been, but glad it's here nonetheless, and glad we're going to get some real-life baseball on our TVs and on our computers here in the next few days. Yep, and I
1: do think that it's going to be really interesting to see what we're going to be able to get out of the team that you cover, the Seattle Mariners, because we remember famously this team last season very nearly made the postseason with a north of negative 40 run differential which that would have been the worst run differential for any team to ever make the postseason and it wouldn't have even been close but we know that the Mariners have made some offseason acquisitions to the lineup you've got Jesse Winker you have also got Adam Frazier that should be able to help out with a team that was really one of the worst at being able to get on base in all of baseball and then on top of that you take a look at the pitching staff, Robbie ray White's coming in, Sergio Romo is going to be coming into a bullpen that was relatively solid as well, along with Ken Giles, and I think that this is going to be an intriguing team. I certainly don't put them sort of on the same level as the Houston Astros, but I think that this is a team that could be very competitive out there in the AL West.
0: I think they absolutely can, and like you said, they're very tough to peg. Winning 90 games last year with that negative run differential, really threw any kind of saver metric that could project the Mariners' season last year out the window. I think you could easily say that this is a better team on paper than they were a year ago. You mentioned the additions of Jesse Winker and Robbie Ray. You've got a bullpen that, while they don't have necessarily the big names of other teams out there, they've got a really solid group led by Paul Seawald last year, who was incredible, who only came up in the month of May, and after that was one of the best relievers in all of baseball. And then you've also got, you know, like you said, Adam Frazier playing second base, really nailing that position down, which was a turnstile a year ago for the Mariners. So on paper, I think you could say that they're better. The problem is, is that that 90 win total last year, was due to a ton of luck going the Mariners' way in terms of extra inning games, in terms of one-run games, where if they're going to replicate that win total this year, I mean, they're going to need that same kind of luck because while you can say they are better, I don't know if they're going to be able to surpass that 90-win total they had a year ago.
1: Yeah, it certainly is going to be a little bit of an uphill battle because you take a look at the entirety of the American League and I do think that it's going to be relatively competitive. you got to think that the Angels, there's no way they can be worse than they were last season. Even the offense was really bad towards back half last season. You've got Mike Trout, who's coming back fully healthy. We mentioned it with the Houston Astros. They are no doubt going to be a machine once again. But I just take a look at all these teams that you do wind up getting out there, especially that American League East, which I think is going to be the most competitive league out there in baseball. You got the New York Yankees, you got the Toronto Blue Jays, the Tampa Bay Rays, and a team that made the postseason last year in the Boston Red Sox. And I think that wins just in general are going to be hard to come by aside from when you're playing against your just absolute bottom feeder teams, like for instance, the Baltimore Orioles once again.
0: Yeah, and uh, man, that AL East race is going to be incredible to watch this season. A team that I really am high on this season is the one good team in the AL East last year that didn't make the playoffs, and that's the Toronto Blue Jays. Even though they lost the AL Cy Young Award winner Robbie Ray, they were able to replace him with Kevin Gossman, who had an incredible year with the Giants back in 2021. They still have Jose Barrios. They've added Matt Chapman at third base to an offense that was already incredible. Last year, I thought the Blue Jays were one of the most talented teams in all of baseball, and yet they still missed out on the postseason. You look at that infield right now. Vlad Guerrero Jr. at first base, Bo Bichette at short. You've got Matt Chapman at third in that outfield. You've got Lourdes Gurriel, Teoscar Hernandez, George Springer. I mean, there is no break in that offense. And look, there were even rumors a couple weeks ago that they were still kicking the tires on potentially adding Jose Ramirez the Guardian superstar infielder. So, if they were able to add him to that lineup, I mean, watch out. That is one of the best around. I really like the Blue Jays actually to win the AL East this year, even though, you know, they haven't had necessarily the consistent success of a Tampa Bay, of a New York, of a Boston. I think their talent this year is just so deep in that order, deep in that lineup. I really like the Blue Jays to come out of the AL East as division champs.
1: And I'm so glad that you mentioned that as we do have joining the podcast, Curtis Rogers does a great job with pre and post game work for the Seattle Mariners in that we've got a couple guys out there in the American league that could wind up getting dealt before the season gets started because the Oakland A's have had a fire sale and they're also selling off the streamers that they use to advertise the fire sale at this point. (laughs) They've traded away a lot of guys already. There's talks that Sean Manea along with Frankie Montas might be on the move. You mentioned Jose Ramirez over there with the Cleveland guardians and I think that that makes things very fascinating because if the Oakland A's wind up holding on to all the pitchers that they currently have, I think that this is a team because I'm seeing a lot of win totals over there at like 69, 70-ish that they can still be a relatively competitive team. Billy Bean knows what the heck he is doing with the Oakland A's, and I take a look at the Cleveland Guardians as well. Regardless of if they keep Jose Ramirez or not, this is going to be a team that's rough on offense, but... I still take a look at the pitching, and I still think that you've got something here because Emmanuel Class A was one of the best closers in all of baseball last year. Tristan McKenzie, the second half of the year, was solid. Zach Plisak, if he's able to figure it out, look out. Cal Quantrill's the guy that is a top-end starter, and then, you got Bieber Fever and Shane Bieber who, when he's fully on his game, he's one of the best pitchers out there in all of baseball. I think that these two teams that could wind up dealing guys before the season are very intriguing to watch because even if they do wind up dealing their guys – I still think that there's a little bit of upside.
0: Yeah, and also in Cleveland's bullpen, James Karinchak, who was closer to start the year last year, really saw his numbers dip after the league cracked down on spider tack. So who knows what he's in store for here in 2022. When he was up in 2020, in the first half of 2021, he was incredible. So maybe that's another name you could add to that Guardians pitching staff, especially in the bullpen. But yeah, you look at Oakland's pitching staff, you've got Montes, Mania, Cole Irvin as well. Cole Irvin if he doesn't pitch against the Mariners. I believe he went 0-5 last year (laughs) against the Mariners. Other than that, I mean, he was a great pitcher. Yeah, I think Oakland is a team that no matter how bad it gets in terms of them trading off their superstars, which is something they do every, you know, six, seven years or so, they still manage to kind of lurk around and hang in there around every single team in the American League West. I don't have them pegged for any of the top three spots, though, in that division. I think it's going to be Houston. I think it's going to Seattle. I think it's going to be the Angels atop the AL West for this year. But boy, Oakland is an intriguing team in terms of that over under, uh, you know, you see it in some places, like you said, 69, 68, 70, what have you. Uh, I think they could potentially eclipse that if they are able to keep those guys maybe through or maybe right up into the trade deadline. I mean, you will also look at the talent that they've gotten back in their trades of Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. I mean, they've gotten a lot of guys. Christian Pache from the Atlanta Braves kind of jumps out. He was one of the game's best prospects just a couple of years ago where Atlanta called him up in 2020, I believe it was, near the end of the season, making their playoff run. He's been a really good prospect. I know he's always been near the top of the Baseball America Prospect rankings, so he's somebody to watch out for. Now it's his outfield, and they still got talent there too. Ramon Laureano is on that team. Sean Murphy behind the plate. There are guys on that Oakland A's roster. Tony Kemp was a great player for him last year, picking him up up the scrap heap. So, I think Oakland can eclipse their over under of you know a 69-70 win. I don't know if it's going to be by much. I think it'll be probably about 72-73 wins. I see them as sort of their peak this season.
1: Yep, I'm right there with you. I do think that the A's are going to experience a fall off this year, but I think that the fall off that many people are thinking is just a little bit too much on them, as we do have Curtis Rogers of 710 ESPN joining me on the podcast. And then when it comes to season wins as well, the one that really catches my eye out there in the American League, and a couple do from the American League Central, but the one in particular, the Detroit Tigers. As I'm looking right now at DraftKings, I'm seeing them at 77.5 and this is a team that they want up having a winning record after the All-Star break and They went out and they actually spent some money. They bring in Eduardo Rodriguez, who I think is going to be terrific for this team. He winds up joining a staff that has Tariq Skubal along with Casey Mice. Two young up and comers that I think are going to be terrific in this league for a very long time. I'm not necessarily in on Matt Manning, but with that said, you're certainly going to be able to get some innings out of him. Andrew chaffin winds coming in, and I take a look at what well, the team has with regards to the offense. It does need a little bit of work, but Javi Bias. Baez- actually had the second-best batting average in the National League in the month of September last year. And take a look at this team, and I see a team that could easily be able to get above five hundred this year, especially when you consider the American League Central. You've obviously got the White Sox on top of that, but everyone else. I mean, I think that it's not far-fetched to say that the Tigers could be the number-two team out there in that division.
0: Very, very possible. And and also one thing to consider – in all of these over-under totals is the help that is on the way. Detroit has one of the best farm systems in all of baseball, and they have two of the very best prospects in baseball as well. Spencer Torkelson, the first baseman, you know, who was a number one overall pick just a couple of seasons ago. He might start day one. Exactly. He's somebody that I think could very easily contribute to that Tigers lineup. And then also Riley Green, another guy who could very easily give that Tigers offense a jolt. He's playing center field. He's looked really good in the Grapefruit League this year. I believe through ten games has an OPS over fourteen hundred. Obviously, it's the Grapefruit League, so you can't you know buy in too much to these numbers. But he's oozing with talent. Those two guys I think could really, really give a, a lift to this Tigers offense that like you said, you know, adding Javi Baez was a huge, huge thing for them. I also like the addition of Tucker Barnhart behind the plate too, who has been a very solid veteran for the Cincinnati Reds for a lot of years. He comes over, gives this offense a nice steadying presence we all know eric haas is is a really good player as well he's kind of unorthodox he's a catcher he's an outfielder what does he play he's an infielder who knows but what we do know is that he can hit for power when he's in the lineup he's showing that too in the grapefruit league this year so i think the tigers are a team that are very intriguing and you know the pieces that are already in place there the jimer candelaria's the akil bedews all these guys that may not be household names across baseball, Jonathan Scope. They're productive players. I think this Tigers team is going to be a fun one to watch over the next couple of years, how you see in the American League Central teams like Cleveland. They're kind of falling back. Minnesota took a step back last year, but they've added Correa. They've added Sonny Gray. So maybe they look to sort of rise again this year. But outside of the White Sox, I mean, the AL Central really up for grabs, and I think the Tigers are right there looking to send a message.
1: And you talk about the Minnesota Twins as well, and I think that they're very intriguing because if they wind up hitting on some of the, shall we say, older pitchers that they picked up, they've got something here because they picked up Chris Archer, Dylan Bundy, along Sonny Gray. I like Sonny Gray. I am completely out on Dylan Bundy after what we wanted have seeing last year. He pitched more like Al Bundy, and then you've got Chris Archer, which I mean, if you're able to tell me what you're able to get out of Chris Archer, I'll be impressed because I don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him. But Joe Cotton actually looked halfway decent out of the Tigers or out of the Texas Rangers bullpen last season. Then Joe Ryan wound up having some very good starts towards the back half of last season. I just don't know if he could be necessarily an ace of the staff sort of guy. You mentioned Carlos Correa. No question he's going to be able to help out a team that. They're going to be able to hit the ball. Gio or the one's coming in. Miguel Sano doesn't necessarily hit for average, but he hits for power. Byron Buxton, when fully healthy, you like him. Max Kepler, list goes on and on. I think it's going to be a really intriguing Twins team because I could easily see this team scoring and giving up a touchdown on any given night.
0: yeah and boy that twins team what was it just in 2019 they set the major league baseball record for home runs in a season it feels like that was so long ago but it wasn't it was just a few years ago the minnesota twins of all teams that have that record in that Uh, ballpark nonetheless exactly it was bizarre to see but look they're healthy they've got most of those guys back they had gary sanchez who Look, I mean, he is one of the ultimate boomer bus players in all of baseball. He's behind the plate. I wonder how he's going to respond no longer playing in the pressure cooker environment that is the Bronx, that is Yankee Stadium, going to Target Field you know, every day rather than Yankee Stadium. I would imagine that is a weight of the world off his shoulders, I would be very interested to see how he responds uh, over the course of a full season if we get the Gary Sanchez that he was his first few years in the major leagues. I don't know if he's ever going to get back to that level, but maybe to a fraction of that level. But uh, like you said, this Twins pitching staff, a lot of names that you know we definitely have heard over the years, but names that I guess haven't necessarily been what we have expected of them over the years. You mentioned Dylan Bundy. A name I'm intrigued to see is Bailey Ober, who has looked pretty good again in fruit league action last year he came up had an era just slightly above four and really his first go around in the big leagues i'm intrigued to see how he plays this season with a full year under his belt pitched 20 games last year you know never really looked like the moment was too big for him he does give up a lot of home runs It gave up 20 and less than 100 innings pitched but that's another name i think that could really help out that twins pitching staff
1: i'm right there with you as we do have curtis rogers at 710 espn joining me on the podcast and we have somehow someway, made it north of 15 minutes without talking about the new york yankees so how about if we close up shop here with the new york yankees and I am very fascinated to see what it winds up happening with this team because I mean, you've got the boomers that are out there once again for this team. You've got Aaron Judge, John Carlos saying if he's able to stay healthy for a full year, this is a guy that he can put up 40-plus home runs. We all know about the talent there, and you've got some solid pitchers, but with that said, when it comes to Roldis Shadman, he clearly is not what he once was, so that's going to be a little bit of an issue. You mentioned Gary Sanchez. He's not out of the fold, so. Going to be figuring that we're going to be seeing most likely a lot of Kyle Higashioka this season. Garrett Cole, he wound up having a little bit of an issue when the spider attack crackdown wound up happening once again. And I take a look at the starting pitching staff, relying upon guys like Luis Severino, Jamison Tyon to be able to give you some starts. I'm not sure about that, but I do think that Luis Eel, who wound up getting a few starts, if he's able to just rein it in a little bit with the command, he's able to give you something I think that the most mysterious team out there might be the Yankees because you mentioned how much you like the Blue Jays. I still think that the Boston Red Sox are going to be okay this season. You've still got the Tampa Bay Rays, so in my opinion, they might be in the toughest division in all of baseball, but you've got a team in which you could see them putting up 10 runs on any given night, and with the way that this roster is stacked up as well, you might wind up getting a big fat
0: goose egg it's very very much pardon the pun but it's you know swinging a miss lineup for sure especially with guys like judge and gallo and Stanton with how often they strike out. Like you said, there is potential for a lot of runs up on the board, and there's potential for very few as well. I do like their pickup of Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. I thought that was a really shrewd move by Brian Cashman. Offers a ton of positional flexibility. Plays all around the diamond, including catcher. He is somebody that, you know, if you're going to be a winning ball club, it's good to have a utility guy like that on your roster. I think a big part of their offense this year is is going to be reliant on Isglae Torres back Is is he going to have a season like he has had in the past or is he going to just wilt under the pressure and put up a clunker like he did a year ago that to me is going to be a huge huge focal point of this Yankees offense here in 2022. One guy who has been really good in spring training and is probably going to play his way onto the opening day roster has been Marwin Gonzalez. He's also been one of the better utility players over the last five or six years in Major League Baseball. Had a down year a year ago playing with the Red Sox and the Astros, but looking at his numbers right now, I mean, he is tearing the cover off the ball playing for the Yankees. I think that is somebody that could possibly find his way onto the roster. And then another guy that I've always been in Intrigued by is Timbal Castro, the outfielder. Played a few years with the Diamondbacks. This guy is so fast. He is somebody that will get the game in motion if he gets on base. Look, I mean, if you have guys that can sort of change the flow of the game like that, it is such an advantage to you. This Yankees team has so many good individual pieces. I just wonder how they're going to be able to put it all together. Like, I, you know, on, on the pitching side, Jonathan Loizaga in the bullpen, he was incredible a year ago. But like you said, or all this Chapman, No longer they're all this Chapman that we all have come to know over the years. So this Yankees team, tons of boomer bust potential. I tend to think that they are going to be better than I think a lot of people are looking at. I think they are very much in position to be a wildcard team this year. One thing, though, to keep in mind is the whole... Situation crossing the Canadian border. As we found out, Aaron Judge would not be eligible to play in games against Toronto, and as we know, Toronto's going to be one of the best teams in all of baseball this year. You want to have all of your star players playing, so that's going to be something to watch this season is who is playing in Toronto and who isn't. That could have a huge impact on that American League East race.
1: Yeah, it's going to be so fascinating. They bring in Josh Donaldson as well, so you've got a lot of guys that... They're able to put the ball over the fence. Got a lot of guys that they strike out, and you've got a lot of pitchers, of which, boy, oh, boy, there's not a lot of consistency there. But a man that is very consistent, a man that always delivers under pressure, that'd be you, Curtis. The baseball season's ramping up. I know you're going to be very, very busy over there at 710 ESPN doing a wide variety of things. Obviously, you've got your two podcasts, the Seattle Sports Night and Seattle Sports Saturday podcast. On top of that, you do pre- and post-game work. For the Seattle Mariners, uh, you've got a just completely full stack this baseball season, so let the good people at home know they're able to follow along on social media and just everything that you've got going on.
0: Yeah, you can follow me at a kid from Kent on Twitter and Instagram, and also adding to the plate this year, as though there isn't enough that I'm doing, hosting a show called Mariners Extra Innings. It's going to air on nights where there aren't games, so probably once or twice a week, we're going to be getting into some Mariners content for two hours. Looking forward to starting that up. Looking around Major League Baseball to those nights. Really looking forward to that. So if you don't have enough baseball content in your life, come check that out too.
1: It's going to be a tremendous year. It's going to be so intriguing to see what we wind up getting out there in the American Lake. There's a team or two that is going to be fighting themselves out of it before it starts. I'm looking at you, the Baltimore Orioles. I'm looking at you, the Kansas City Royals, but really past that. It's going to be very competitive. I know that Curtis is going to be following it along every step of the way. So. Big thanks to Curtis Rogers for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast that I give you my season win totals in the MLB, in the American League, and what I like and don't like.
0: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's
1: time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Eubes Peterson. And it was great to have Curtis Rogers aboard. He does pre and post game hosting over there for the Seattle Mariners, a guy that has his finger on the pulse of Major League Baseball. For those of you guys that listen to my basketball podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, which That'll be continuing on during the season as well, have no fear there, but you hear him on there quite a bit as well, so great to be able to get him on today, and now it is that time of the podcast that we just take a look at the American League in general, we're going to be taking a look at what we've got with regards to odds to be able to win all these divisions, and we'll just run through these pretty much division by division, as right now, these are we're just using DraftKings numbers, since v is a part of DraftKings, so that's why we're going to be using those numbers as of right now, and as we see it, the Toronto Blue Jays out there in the East, they're plus 170 to win the division. Yankees are at 2-1, to one, Rays are at plus 320, Red Sox are at plus 550, and then the poopy Baltimore Orioles are at 150-1. to one. And if you're looking to light your money on fire, congratulations, the poopy Baltimore Orioles. Really, the only thing that is intriguing about the Baltimore Orioles at this point is how Camden Yards and the fact that the left field fence has been pushed back a little bit is going to be affecting home runs because Baltimore Orioles, they've set a whole bunch of records the last few years for most home runs surrendered. So I think that that's really the only thing you can take a look at. John Means has been an okay pitcher for them. But boy, that is a sad, sad organization right now. If you take a look at who I think should be able to win the division, I think that the Blue Jays should be a little bit of the favorite. I think plus 170 is a little bit too short on them. I wouldn't necessarily be taking a shot on them as if you take a look at the season wins, I mean, it is about as jam-packed as you're going to get us. We're just going to read these in the order that Drive Kings has them, which is a little bit wonky. But with that said, out there in the East, you've got the New York Yankees. They are finding themselves with a win total of 91.5. The Blue Jays, they find themselves at 92.5. From there, you've got yourself the... Poopy Baltimore Orioles at 62 and a half. That's one that I really would not want to be playing either way, so a good old stay away right there. The Tampa Bay Rays, they're finding themselves at 89.5, and then the Red Sox are at 85.5. If I'm looking at any team to go under, I would be taking a look at the Tampa Bay Rays, just because it is a Rays offense. If you take a look at the advanced analytics with regards to actual batting average versus expected batting average, they were pretty much the luckiest team out there in baseball. Now, it's a Tampa Bay Rays team that I think that some of their younger players are going to be able to take some strides for. You take a look at Wander Franco and I think that he is in for a very good year, not a guy that necessarily is barreling up a bunch of home runs yet. He's still a little bit young with that regard, but someone that should be able to do some good things for the team. We saw what Randy Orozarena was able to do during the 2020 postseason, back that up really well towards back half last season. Brandon Lau, a guy that was able to hit 39 home runs last season, but... When it comes to Brandon Lau, he is a guy that I feel like he could be a little bit feast or famine with it's a long ball. You take a look at what he wound up doing towards back half of the season. In August through October, he did wind up being able to pound out a grand total of 17 home runs, so he did wind up saving his best for last. That is something that you do like to see with him, but this is also a gentleman that when it comes to some of his righty-lefty splits, they can be a little bit more suspect as you take a look at the way that he wound up hitting against right-handed pitching it. He wound up hitting 270 off of them against lefties above 98, so that is a little bit of an issue, and when it comes to the Tampa Bay race, you've got to be wondering, with regards to some of the ailments that you've got with these pitchers, you no doubt have Tyler Glasso, who wound up being banged up towards back half of last season that wound up really hurting them, he's not going to be good to go for day number one Corey Kluber is a guy that is about as fragile as really, really good glassware that you have and it might wind up getting, like, thrown around. That's not necessarily what you want. Now, the guy that I really like is Shane McClanahan. He's the guy that towards back half of the season was really able to come into his own. Wound up seeing 25 starts last season. A guy with north of 10 strikeouts per 9 innings. A guy that kept the ball in the yard towards the back half of the season as well. Right around 1.1 home runs per 9 innings. So that is something that you're able to take a look at and you're very heartened with, actually. As a matter of fact, in the final five starts of the regular season, only wound up allowing two home runs got better as the season went along. He has ace potential for this team, but you also take a look at what you're going to be able to get out of some of these back-end starters. Do you wind up giving Luis Patino some stars? Ryan Yarbrough is a guy that actually has a full ERA player point lower on that when he winds up having a guy winding up opening for him, and he winds up following him up, so the opener system has worked well there, and then Drew Rasmussen is a big X factor for this team as well, because as a starter, he yeah, wound up having an ERA that was hovering right around 2 in his 10 starts last season, but it was a relatively small sample size, he never really went past 5 innings, and then you bring in Corey Kluber, and Corey Kluber, he went 5 and 3 last season, but was only able to make 16 starts, got a little bit healthier towards back half of the season, but also towards back half of the season, he wound up allowing quite a few hits as well. A guy that with regards to his hits per nine, that was more around an eight, but that was a lot towards the back half of the season. Three and a half walks For nine innings, certainly not a hard tosser at this stage of his career. So, the Rays are a team that I'm a little bit more out on with the Blue Jays. We all know about this offense. You've got yourself Flaggero Jr. who wound up belting out 48 home runs last season. I think that he's going to be in for a very good year. They bring in Kevin Gosman, and I don't know how much this is actually going to elevate the team because Kevin Gosman towards back half of the season was not necessarily too tremendous for the San Francisco Giants. Wound up experiencing a little bit of a fall off with his production. So, you do have some question marks with regards to him, but you also even though you wind up losing Marcus Simeon, have a really good lineup with regards to this team. I think that they're relatively set at the catcher spot. Alejandro Kirk is someone that I think is going to get some at pass. I think that he's going to do some good things. Bo Bichette is someone that really is a all tool player, a guy that's able to hit 300 wound up having 29 bombs last season, over 100 RBI, doesn't necessarily walk as much as you'd like, but I do like his overall upside. And then with the Blue Jays, the big question mark that you do have with this team is going to be the bullpen because they do wind up sharing up their starting rotation a little bit more. You say Kikuchi actually wind up seeing a little bit of a tick up with their guards with strikeouts with the Seattle Mariners last season and a guy that on the road has been relatively solid starter. You wind up bringing in Jose Barrios towards the back half of the season last year as well and now you're going to be looking to Yimi Garcia do a solid job out there in a relief role. Adam Simber is someone that was really able to take off as well. Alec Manoa. Manoa what? I think that he's going to be solid, but... Trevor Richards, Jordan Romano, those guys out there in the bullpen, what can you expect out of them? Are you able to get anything out of guys like a Ross Stripling if you wind up using them as a little bit more of a spot starter? That is my question mark with the Blue Jays, which is why I do think that this is a little bit too high with regards to their odds to be able to win the division and I know that there's a lot of people that have been shading down this Boston Red Sox team, but the Boston Red Sox, the more that I take a look at them in the AL, the more that I actually do think that there's a chance that they could be able to make some noise. If I'm looking for any sort of a value play with regards to this division, it probably would be the Red Sox. I do think that their win total of 85.5 is relatively correct. I'd probably be taking a look at the... Blue Jays under and then the Yankees under as well because when it comes to the New York Yankees, the one thing that I think is really bad about this team is what are you going to be able to get out of those back half starters because you know what you're going to be able to get out of Garrett Cole. I recognize that after the spider attack situation, he didn't wind up doing as great, but with that said, you know what he's going to be able to throw out there. Jamison Tyon is a guy that has been banged up throughout his career. Did wind up making 29 starts last season, but also is a guy that wound up giving up right around like 1.8-ish home runs per 9 innings. That's a little bit of an issue for him. He It seems like he doesn't necessarily pitch the world's greatest when he's out there on the road. You've got Luis Severino, who he wanted being able to make a couple starts last season. What in the world are you going to be able to get out of him? Jordan Montgomery, this guy that's a little bit up and down. Jonathan Wiseguy actually gave this team some solid innings last season. And guys like Luis Eel, if you're able to get him up and get him some good starts, I think that that could be solid, but... With the lineup, I mean, it is feast or famine. I mean, now you bring in Josh Donaldson, a guy that's going to strike out a lot, but is going to hit some bombs. Anthony Rizzo, I like what he brings to the clubhouse for the team—a veteran, calming leader. So I think that that's actually very good. And you wind up getting out Gary Sanchez, which getting out Gary Sanchez—that's actually an addition by subtraction. But Joey Gallo, he's going to probably strike out 200 times. He's probably going to give you 40 home runs, but he's probably going to hit right around the Mendoza line. Aaron Judge along John Carlos Sand. can these guys stay healthy? I would not want the Yankees season win total over or under really at this point because, I mean, if those guys stay healthy, there's a lot of upside. If they don't, Boy, there's some downside. That is really the Feast for Fam and Team. But getting back to the Boston Red Sox, you do wind up losing Eduardo Rodriguez, and I think that that's going to be big when it comes to his pitching staff. You've got a guy in Nathan Eovaldi. He's one of the best at being able to keep the ball in the yard in all of baseball. But you do take a look at Nick Pavetta, and what I think is intriguing with him, he's much better on the road than he is at home. 540 home ERA last season, 375 roadier. He gave up 17 home runs at 73 and a third innings in Boston. 7 home runs at 81 and two-thirds innings on the road. I don't know what it is about Nick Pavetta, but he cannot pitch at home. On the road, he's been rock solid. You wind up bringing in ancient 42-year-old Rich Hill, which I don't think that you can really expect too much out of him at this point, but the bullpen actually has some guys that I like. If you're able to get Matt Stram going a little bit more, that's relatively okay. Phillips Valdez is someone I always like as a reliever. Now, among relief pitchers, Garrett Woodlock was one of the most lucky in all of baseball. Buck 96-ish ERA last season, a guy that had a fielding independent that was much above that, but Sato Mora is able to give you some halfway decent in innings. You bring in there Jake Diekman, Austin Davis, he's not going to light the world on fire, but at the same time, much like a waiter at a restaurant, you just need him to not spill the soup, and more times than not, he's not going to spill the soup, so you're able to feel pretty good about him, and you know that these guys are going to hit. I mean, the catcher spot, Kevin Ploiecki, Christian Vasquez, you feel really good there. You got Bobby Dahl back for another season, and now you've got him along Trevor Story's Rafael Devers. I recognize that the home and roads place, not necessarily the world's greatest for Trevor Story, but that said, I do think that that is going to be helpful for this team, and then the outfield is going to be able to field a little bit better this year as well because you bring back Jackie Bradley Jr., and if you take a look at his numbers with Milwaukee, is he going to be a guy that winds up hitting like 300? No. He's not going to hit a buck 63 either. He was one of the most unlucky hitters in all of baseball last season, and you've still got out there Kike Hernandez, J.D. Martinez, Alex Verdugo. This team is rock solid, so I actually do think that there is a little bit of value with that regard. So that's where we're looking with regards to the American League East. When it comes to the AL Central, you're going to find the chalkiest division winner out there with regards to the American League guys. Right now, you're finding the White Sox clocking in at minus 195 from there. Minnesota Twins are plus 550, plus 700. You've got the Detroit Tigers, 10-1. to 1. You've got the Cleveland Guardians at 15-1, to 1, the Kansas City Royals. Now, I do think that the White Sox should be a pretty sizable favorite with regards to the American League Central. I would not be willing to lay this price. I do think that they should be able to get it done, but I think that 2 through 4 should actually be relatively jam-packed, and I could see the Detroit Tigers being that number 2 team. We'll hit on them before we wind up hitting upon the top team in the Southsiders, but you do take a look at this Detroit Tigers team, and I mentioned it before with Eduardo Rodriguez. I really love this addition. He's a guy that, with regards to his ERA compared to his fielding independent, was one of the most unlucky pitchers in all of baseball. He wound up missing the 2020 season during the COVID-19 pandemic, but you take a look at him in 2019, led the American League in terms of total walks, and was really able to bring that down last season, fewer than three walks per nine innings. So this is a guy that is relatively rock solid for you, and take a look at the additions that the Tigers made. You had Ivy Bias in the last month of the season, and I recognize, it's a small sample size, but he was hitting north of a 340 while he was worth the mess. He is a rock solid bat for this team. You're able to now wind up having Jameer Candelario fire on all cylinders. He had a solid year last year. Spencer Torkelson is one of the best players that is up and coming in the game. A young 22-year-old that was the number one overall pick in the draft. A kid with some pop. He is going to be most likely starting night number one. You've got Miguel Cabrera who's probably going to be a DH, but you bring in Tucker Barnard, he's able to give you a little bit of pop at the catcher spot. Eric Haas is someone with with some good versatility with this team as well. And then the Tigers' bullpen is good for a Tigers team that they had a winning record after the All-Star game last season. And a big reason why is that even though you've got a lot of nameless, faceless guys for this Detroit Tigers team out there in that bullpen, these guys are actually relatively decent. If you take a look at the season wins when it comes to the Central Division, you do notice that quite a few of them after the... White Sox are a little bit more slim. With the Tigers, you were seeing them a little bit before at 77.5. Now you're seeing them at 78.5. You've got yourself a case in which you've got the Minnesota Twins currently clocking in at 81.5. The Cleveland Guardians, they're at 76.5. You've got the South Siders at 91.5, rightfully so. And then with regards to the Kansas City Royals, you're seeing them clock in at 74.5. When it comes to season wins, I would be taking a look at the White Sox under, But I would be taking a look at a little bit more of an over with the Tigers because of this relief pitching. Tyler Alexander is a guy that's able to give you a little bit of length when you need him in the bullpen. He's able to give you a spot start as well. Joey Meneses is a guy that has been up and down all throughout his career, but they bring in Andrew Chafin to be able to shore up this bullpen. Matt Manning is a guy that I'm not necessarily in on as starter, and I do recognize that Michael Pineda has been dealing with some ailments, but two years ago, he was with the Minnesota Twins, did a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. If you're able to get anything out of Spencer Turnbull as well, that saw Gregory Soto is an all-star reliever as well. There's a lot of good pitching here with the Detroit Tigers, and they play in a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, so upside there, I was mentioning it with the White Sox. They should be able to win the division. They're a rock-solid team. I do think that they're being a little bit overvalued in comparison to the rest of the division because you take a look at a lot of these guys... Home and road splits are very demonstrative with them. The White Sox were right around 500 away from home. Like someone like a Dylan Cease, for example, 318 ERA at home, 469 ERA on the road, despite the fact that he wanted up giving up more home runs at home as well. So he's a guy that he's not necessarily the same guy when he winds up leaving his friendly confines. They did add to this bullpen, which I think is very big. And if you look at the White Sox, I don't know how many additions they needed to make because with regards to bullpen, if you take a look, ERA compared to fielding independent, they were legitimately the most unlucky bullpen in the second half of the season last year. They bring in Joe Kelly, which Joe Kelly is Joe Kelly. He's going to have some moments of brightness. He's going to have some moments of darkness. It is what it is. Garrett Crochet. I think that he's going to be a little bit more reliable. Got off to a good start last season. Had a little bit of a flail down the stretch. Kendall Graveman. I think that he's going to regress a little bit from last year. That's rock solid. I really think the big key for this team is Michael Kopek, A guy that he lines up to be a number 5 starter. A guy that's able to give you a 100 mile per hour fast basketball, and they're going to need him because Dallas Keuchel just can't start anymore. A 528 overall ERA. I mean, it didn't matter if he was at home, if he was on the road, if he was on planet Pluto. This guy just wound up giving up bombs here, like two home runs per nine innings. Opponents hit a 290 off of him. This guy's just done. So that's a little bit of an issue. And Yasmani Grandal had like the most ridiculous walk rate I've ever seen in my life last season. You can't expect that once again this year. He had a 240 batting average last season, and his on-base percentage was a 420. I mean, how does that wind up working out? I mean, Monty Grandal is a solid catcher. He's good behind the dish, and he's a guy that's going to give you some pop. You can't hit 240 and have a 420 on base. Once again, that's just some charm luck. Tim Anderson is a guy that does a good job of being able to get on base, but really doesn't walk for you. And you just notice that, A lot of these hitters, they wind up getting hot and cold for the team. Bringing in A.J. Pollock, I think, is going to be very solid for both he and the team because Pollock is a little bit more of a setting force. Right around at 300 with 21 home runs last season, I think that that is exactly the veteran leadership that this team did wind up needing because when you take a look at some of these guys like Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, they have their ups and their downs. They bring in Josh Harrison as well, but you... You have a bunch of guys like even a Yohan Moncada that they wind up going through their ups and their downs throughout the season. Eloy Jimenez, big example of this as well. Luis Robert. I do think that it is good that they wind up bringing in A.J. Pollock. Just a case in which I think the rest of the division is a little bit better than what a lot of people want to give a crap for. Now, the Indians, who are now known as the Guardians, I'm probably going to make that slip up. Quite a few times here on this podcast throughout the season. They uh, need some help with regards to the lineup because right now it's Jose Ramirez who might wind up getting traded at any moment. And then you've got Amid Rosario. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Miles Straw, who does a good job of being run the bases, but when you've got a starting rotation that includes Aaron Savali, who is a guy that last season wound up going 12-5 and five after his injury. He was not necessarily the same down the stretch, but that said, a guy that is not going to walk you. That's rock solid. Tristan McKenzie, from the first half of the season to the second half of the season, was significantly better. The 5-9 and nine record with a 495 ERA, that's a little bit of a Medusa, because in the month of August, this guy was tremendous in his four starts. He wound up having a sub-2 ERA, wanted up coming back from the minor leagues. He looked relatively solid. Cal Quantrill flows things out with a flurry last year, a 2.89 ERA. I mean, Zach Flesak was up and down last season, but now you get Shane Bieber fever off of injury. Emmanuel Clase is one of the best relievers that you're going to find in all baseball. James Karinchek had a little bit of a rough year last year, but a kid with some upside. Nick Sandlin was solid out there in the bullpen. Indians can pitch. Only question is, are they going to be able to give you much offense whatsoever? This is going to be a tremendous team to the under this year, because when you've got guys like Bobby Bradley, Yu Chang that just can't get on base, it's absolutely terrible. You do have a guy, Fred Moraes Reyes, that's able to give you home runs, but with the Guardians certainly is going to be a team that is going to be relying upon their pitching and their pitching only. And then with the Kansas City Royals, I do think that they're properly placed at dead last. I do think that they've got a little bit of upside themselves, though. At 74 and a half, I would look over before I would look under, I really don't have much of a take there and once again, I'm not necessarily much of a season-wins player. I'm not much of a futures guy. I'm a little bit more of a game-by-game game better, but I do think that game-to-game, game, you're going to have a little bit of value when some of these pitchers do wind up taking them out. Chris with the K. K-Bubich is someone that wound up being able to win six games last season at a 6-7 and seven record. At home, he wound up having a sub-4 ERA and a 5 ERA on the road, wound up giving up the double amount of the home runs on the road rather than at home. They picked up Taylor Clark. I don't think that that's going to be able to help them out, but Amir Garrett sure is up a bullpen that is actually really good for this team. Josh, Stamount is someone that's going to be able to give you innings. all Piampas. I think that this is one of the more under-the-radar moves that we wound up seeing. Scott Barlow is a guy that is able to give you good innings down the stretch. The Royals bullpen is actually one of the better ones that you're going to find out there in baseball. Domingo Tapia even was a guy that wound up having a two sixty seven ERA and then you've got my man Carlos Hernandez who wound up going with a three sixty eight ERA last season. two twenty seven road ERA. He did wind up spending a little bit of time out there in the bullpen towards the beginning of the season, but 39 and two-thirds innings gave up two bombs a buck sixty nine batting average when he was away from home last season. That's some upside for a Kansas City Royals team. That I guess Salvador Perez, who wound up hitting forty eight home runs last season. Now, does anyone else want to get on base for the team? Carlos Santana was just an abject disaster towards the second half of the season. If you're able to get Adalberto Mondesi healthy for even half the season. That would be very nice, because I mean, the guy has some upside, but he just can't stay out there. Hunter Dozier has been just a disaster recently. Andrew Benetendi, very much an up-and-down player, but I do like the upside of Whit Merrifield, The guy that's able to be at the leadoff spot has a little bit of pop. He wound up having a little bit of a rough year last year at 277, but I do think that he's going to have a little bit of upside as well, so I take a look at this division, and certainly you should have your top team being the White Sox, but I do think that the uh, chasm between they and the rest of the division, a little bit smaller than a lot of people would like to believe it and then you've got the American League West and we did wind up seeing that saw off with the Oakland A's. As a result, they're fifty to one to win the division. From there, you've got the Houston Astros at minus one seventy five, four to one with the Angels, plus four fifty with the Seattle Mariners, and the Rangers are at fifteen to one. Honestly, I could see the Angels lined up coming in fourth in this division. It's just a case in which Shohei Ohtani and Mike Trout are going to be absolutely tremendous. Both of these guys are actually one and two in a lot of spots for American League MVP odds. With the new rule, by the way, Shohei Otani, whatever he pitches, he can still actually DH after he's removed from the game. So that actually gives the Angels a little bit more upside with that regard but you take a look at the guys that are going to be backing them up Joe Adele the day that he says fire to the rain let me know because a lot of people have been buzzing about him I just have not necessarily seen it on display with them I believe that there's going to be good days ahead for him I just don't know if that's necessarily going to be this season the catcher spot with Max Sassy he wound up having a relatively solid start to the year last year but tailed off. and with the Angels after the All Star break, they were the second worst offense in the American League after the Texas Rangers. And that Texas Rangers offense, it's completely different because they wind up bringing in Marcus Simeon. They wind up bringing in Mr. Corey Seager, so they're going to be able to turn things around. I will get into them in a minute, but David Fletcher wound up hitting like a bucko three in the final month of the season. This guy was terrible. A 262 ER. Batting average overall for the season, but take a look at what he wound up doing down the stretch. And boy, oh boy, was it a stink burger! I mean, he was hitting like a 320 after the month of July, it's 231 in August. 103 in September, he couldn't get on base to save his life, not a guy that hits for power, that's not necessarily what you want, Anthony Rendon wanted up being banged up for much of last season, and in 58 games last season, he only had 6 bombs and wound up hitting a 240, this is looking like one of the worst contracts in baseball history, with him now being at the age of 31, and then you're going to be having to rely upon guys like Jack Mayfield, Brandon Marsh, Taylor Ward, congratulations. You've got absolutely no protection whatsoever for our good friend Mike Trout. So that means that it's going to be another really long year for an Angels team that, oh boy, what do they do to be able to address the pitching situation? They brought in Archie Flippin' Bradley, who had a 3.71 ERA out there in the bullpen. Whoop-dee-stinkin'-do. I mean, they wanted drafting a lot of guys for the future, but they're not going to be up this year. Reed Detmers is a guy that they wanted given a couple starts last year. He clearly is not ready for the big time. I will say, Jose Suarez wound up having a couple solid starts last year, and I do like the addition of Aaron Loop, who had a zero ninety five ERA and sixty five appearances last season. Do you really think that Aaron Loop is going to be able to duplicate that once again this season? I mean, there's just no way that's humanly possible. He was lights out, and he's going to be able to upgrade a bullpen that involves guys like. Jose Quijada, Ryan DePera, Austin Warren, and guys like that, but he's not going to be able to duplicate that. And their number two starter is looking like his Noah Thorst Of course, Shoy Otani is your number one, but Noah Thorst Indigard wound up throwing two innings last season. Did not wind up playing at all this season before. Do you know what you're going to be able to get out of him? Because I don't. Now let's get into the Texas Rangers, who I think that they've actually got a little bit of upside. Now, they are playing in the new Globe Life Park, which we have found out. It is very, very pitcher-friendly. So that is something that you do want to be noting just with this season and seasons to come because it used to be a case in which when the Texas Rangers were at old globe life, the ball would just be flying out and you'd have totals north of 10. But Willie Callum was one of the most unlucky hitters in all of baseball last season. He should be able to help out this offense. They bring in Mitch Garver, which, I mean, Mitch Garver, 256 batting average, 13 home runs during the 2021 season. It's not like he's going to go out there and light the world on fire, but boy, the Rangers would have taken that last year with the way that they wound up having things go because Adolis Garcia... Wound up having a sizzler of a start to the season. Wound up with 31 home runs in total. But you take a look at it. He wound up having 16 home runs in the months of April and May. And then from there, things just wound up completely flailing on him. He just wound up having a rough go of it in general. As between August through October, he wound up hitting right around about a two fifteen. So that was a hot mess there. Nick Solak is someone I think has a little bit of an upside. But I mean just getting in there, Corey Seager, being able to get in there, Marcus Simeon. That is going to be so beneficial for the team. Simeon last year. 45 home runs at 102 RBI. Corey Seager has dealt with a couple of injuries in the last few years, 95 games last season, but still was able to hit a little bit above a 300 for the LA Dodgers. He's going to come in. He's immediately going to be able to help out this team. Now, when it comes to the rotation, it's honestly great. You've actually got a couple okay bullpen pieces with this team. I liked what I saw at Spencer Pan towards back half of last season. Dennis Santana, I think that in the right situation, it's going to be halfway decent for you. You've got to figure that Glenn Otto is going to get a couple starts. He was one of the bigger pieces that they wanted picking up at the trade deadline last season. I have no idea why they picked up Spencer Howard. Owned five records, 743 ERA last season. The next time this, team, this guy winds up putting together more than three good innings in a row, it's going to be the first time. And then you've got Dane Dunning, who he's able to get her Dunning at home with a 309 ERA. A 639 ERA on the road, 5-3 and three in Globe Life Park, 0-7 oh, on the road. If he could give you any sort of consistency whatsoever on the road, you've actually got a little bit of something here. They want to bringing in Albert Abreu as well. He's actually a decent reliever. Joe Barlow is the guy that wound up having a buck 55 ERA. So I mean, if you're able to get things shirt up with the starters because they brought in 55 shades of John Gray who he actually is a guy that when he's away from Coors I think that he's going to be able to do a little bit better than the 522 ERA that he showed last season I actually pitched better at Coors. But I think that there's a little bit of upside there. Martin Perez bringing him in, I mean, that's not necessarily great. But I do think that with the Rangers, them at 15-1, to I mean, it's relatively right. They're not going to be able to win the American League West. But I could make the case right now that they might be a little bit better than the Angels. And if you're looking at the season win totals out there with these American League West teams, it is very intriguing to take a look at them because, Right now, you're finding clocking in at a win total of 91 and a half. The Houston Astros. If I'm looking at one over, it's honestly that one, 74 and a half with the Texas Rangers. That's one that I think you could make a case for that as well. Certainly going to be looking under on the Angels. The Oakland A's are currently at 68 and a half. That's after the trade to Sean Manaea. So that's a little bit of an issue. 83 and a half with the Angels. That's one in which I think that they're going to be sub 500. And then the Seattle Mariners at 83 and a half. I think is one of the most intriguing ones on the board because when it comes to Seattle Mariners, they wound up winning 90 games last year with a run differential of negative 51, but they did wind up going out and they wound up addressing some things in the offseason. They wound up bringing back a few guys that allowed them to have success towards back half of last season. That Kendall Graben deal yielded Abraham Torum after he wound up getting picked up From the Houston Astros, he did a solid job. hitting at 252, was able to supply the team with a couple big shots when they needed them late. A guy that's able to draw a couple walks. That helps out a lineup that was legitimately one of the worst out there in all of baseball. You wind up bringing in Adam Frazier, who, why the Padres wound up trading for him last season, I have no idea whatsoever, when they really needed pitching and said they got Adam Frazier, but... He's a guy that last season wound up being able to get on base, whether he was with the Pirates or the San Diego Padres, a 3 5 batting average. So that instantly helps out the team a little bit more. And then under the radar is the fact that you've got yourself a guy in Kyle Lewis that was the 2020 Rookie of the Year in the American League. He's coming back after last year. He just couldn't get out there on the field, only 36 games for the poor young men. And then Julio Rodriguez, if you're looking at guys that have really busted out with regards to what we've seen in spring training, this guy has been absolutely masterful. He's a 21-year-old. he plays the field really well. He does a great job of getting on base. Not a guy that's going to provide like a whole bunch of pop at this point, but that's why well you've got Jesse Waker. Wound up having 24 home runs, 305 batting average in just 110 games last season. Now, obviously a guy that wound up performing a little bit better in Cincinnati than on the road, but even on the road, he had 11 home runs and 223 plate appearances, hit a 314. So, I mean, this is a guy that his game should be able to translate to Seattle. And Mitch Haniger was one of the more underrated players in all baseball last year. 39 bombs, 100 RBI. Did wind up striking out a little bit more than you'd like at 159, but Someone that was able to really do a good job of hitting left-handed pitching. 16 home runs on 203 at-bats against lefties. I mean, he just completely feasted on them. That is a really good weapon for this team to have. So, I take a look at the Seattle Mariners. And with them bringing back most of their relievers, Eric Swanson, Drew Steckenrider. you bring in some Mergio Romo, which, I mean, he's not necessarily going to be a primary guy. So, you're fine because you've got guys like Paul Seawall. We were talking about this with Curtis Rogers, Diego Casillo. You should be solid there. You do wind up bringing in a guy in Robbie Ray, that was the Cy Young Award winner out there in the American League last season. Now, I do think that that was a little bit of smoke and mirrors. He really did a good job of being able to rein it in with the walks last season, right around two and a half for nine innings. I still have my question marks there, but Marco Gonzalez down the stretch was really good for the Seattle Mariners team as well. A guy with his home and road splits are pretty much dead equal, and in the last month of the season, went 4-1 with a 3.75 ERA, so he was able to save his best for last, was a little bit banged up towards the beginning part of the season. Logan Gilbert is someone that is is a younger guy that should be able to see some starts for this team as well. He wound up having a really good start to the year then wound up having a bad start and then was able to reign it in the last month of the season as well and five starts wound up having a 318 ERA kid with some very electrifying stuff Chris Flexen wanted coming over from the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization he lent some good starts as well so I do think that some sunny days are coming for the Seattle Mariners. I was talking about it with the Oakland A's, the fact that they wind up trading away Sean that's a little bit tough and they did wind up selling off quite a bit of their bullpen and with the Asus is a team, then which it's hard to be able to recognize them too much, but you still have AJ Puck, Lou Trevino, Kirby Snead out there in the bullpen. So it's not to a two-to- re- too terrific, but at the same time, not necessarily too terrible. Deolis Guerrera is going to see some more innings as well. And you still have Sean Murphy, a guy that at the catcher spot wound up hitting 17 home runs last season. This is a team that they struggled with their batting average, but Elvis Andrews, who wound up hitting a 243 last season, was legitimately one of the most unlucky players in all of baseball. If you take a look at expected batting average, I was north of a 275. Tony Kemp is a guy that's able to get on base. He's able to steal a couple bases from time to time as well. Seth Brown, I think, is going to do a solid job with the bat, along with Steven Piscotti. Piscotti wound up being banged up only. He played seventy-two games last season. Getting him for a full season gonna be a help out. Christian Pache he is a liability currently with the bat, but out there in the field should be able to do a solid job, especially when Lorman Loriano is out of the fold. And then we get to the Houston Astros. And if I'm looking at a team to be able to make the World Series right now from the American League, I would be looking at the Houston Astros because they are the team that has the lowest strikeout rate in all of baseball. In a day and age in which you've got the three true results, you wind up having a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. They have really been able to do a good job of being able to embrace a little bit more. Small ball of being able to get on base in general. Dusty Baker does a great job of being able to coach these guys up. Justin Verlander is going to be able to give this team starts as well. From everything I've seen from him in string training, he looks very solid. Lance McCullers Jr. was really able to step up as a starter last year. 13-5 and record. 270 ERA away from him. That is solid. Now, the bullpen can be a little bit of an issue for this team. In Oli Paredes wound up being a little bit banged up last season. Ryan Presley, you've also got out uh, there, Hector Naris. so that is something that you do want to be noting, but Luis Garcia, I know that he was a little bit erratic during the postseason, but a 239 home ERA last season, young guy with some potential, I think that he's going to be able to do a good job and then, I mean, this is legitimately one of the best lineups that we've seen in baseball in a long time. Jose Altuve, I mean, the guy is ageless. Guy that had 31 home runs, hit about a 275 last season, does a good job of being able to draw walks. They pick up Nico Goodrum for a little bit of added protection as well. LMNDC has when he needs a start. He's solid. Alex Bregman, typically a little bit of a slow starter, but he's been getting off to better and better starts throughout the seasons. Chaz McCormick is able to give you bombs. Michael Branley, one of the most sure guys of being able to get on base. Jose Siri is solid. Jordan Alvarez is a guy that could wind up going off for 40 bombs this season he had 33 last season so I take a look at the Houston Astros they should be the favorite in this division and they should probably be in my opinion the biggest favorite out of all these divisions out there in the American League so that's my thoughts on the American League going into the season I'm not necessarily too much of a futures player but once again if I'm looking at anything with regards to season wins the one over I'd be looking at is the Tigers the one under I'd be looking at is the LA Angels that's just me personally and if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast baseball betting podcast we're going to have things up and running within the next few days, and you're going to be able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. For the meantime, we're going to be on the Visa and Bets, Bets Podcast, and if you have a question, comment, segment idea, what I view for this podcast, you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is by Twitter timeline, at your underscore one Keep in mind, letters us They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Coming at you guys now from here on out every single day throughout the baseball season and that means I'll be coming at you guys once again tomorrow with a look at the National League. Thank you so much for tuning in.